Church. This week we are continuing our series on Do Not Fear. Stuart has already talked to us, hasn't he, about healthy and unhealthy fear. And last week Tim talked to us about the fear of persecution and how we should react when we are dismissed for our views and our faith and even sometimes ridiculed. Well, this week we're continuing the series Focusing on Today. Focus on Today. But first, sometimes we look at people, don't we? And we think, wow, they've really got it all together, haven't they? They are brilliant Christians and they never seem to struggle like I do. I really hope that this series helps people address how they feel so that they can be honest with themselves with no shame and they can be honest with others too because I think then we can really be there for other people. So this morning I'm going to share something with you. I get frightened. I get scared and I'm a terrible worrier. I am a Christian and I get frightened. I'm a Christian and I get scared. I am a Christian and I worry. In fact, I worry about the fact that I worry. That's how silly it is. But it wasn't always like that. I didn't always worry. And I can remember as a child, and also when I was much younger, sort of a teenager and in my early 20s, I just accepted things, life as it was, far more. I didn't spend all my time going, what if? Worrying, what if? Now, recently we've had snow and ice, haven't we? It's so pretty to look at, but it can be so deadly if you fall and break a bone or if you skid in your car and crash into something. And yet you see children sliding on the ice all the time, don't you? You know, you see a, a youngster get on the ice and they try and slide as far as they can standing up. My grandson, Josh, is, does exactly that. He sees ice and immediately he tries to slide on it. Carefree living at its best. And he enjoys every moment and savours every moment. And the fun and the snow and the ice and everything all about it. He just savours every minute. And I sometimes really wish I could recapture some of that spirit and fearlessness. Me on the other hand, when I go out in the snow, well, I'm quite an embarrassment really. Last Saturday, I went for a walk with our dog Molly and our puppy Daisy. And I was walking along, clinging to the fence posts. Why? Well, there was snow everywhere. In my defence, it had snowed, it had melted, and then it had frozen again. And it was actually quite lethal to walk on. But why was I frightened? Why was I acting in this ridiculous way? Well, it's because I've got arthritis in both my knees. Um, and if I joint, jolt them or knock them or fall over or jar them at a funny angle, they can be really, really painful for quite a few hours. So in many ways, my fear prevents me from really enjoying the moment, from enjoying the beautiful scenery that I see about me where I live. Not so for the children though. Without a care in the world, they enjoy the moment. I think you lose some of that innocence and carefreeness as you get older, don't you? Maybe it's because you've seen bad things happen 
or maybe because bad or sad or difficult things have happened to you. It makes you fearful, makes you fearful to relax and enjoy something. It also kind of makes you fearful to live, fearful to live. We can be so frightened of many things, some of them big, some of them small, but they're real fears to us. And for each of us, those fears can be very different. It could be a fear of failure, a fear of being alone, a fear of being old or dying, being ill, a fear of getting fat, a fear of not having enough money to live or not getting a job, a fear of losing the job that you do have, or a real fear of losing those that you love and care about. A fear of being persecuted for our faith as Christians. A fear of this wretched coronavirus. A fear of saying the wrong thing or actually a fear of saying nothing at all when you should have said something. And a fear that people won't like us if they really knew what we were like. The list is endless, isn't it? And I could go on and on. And sometimes for many of us, it's a some of those things or a combination of those. And sometimes it's a real fear. And sometimes it's an imaginary or a, a perceived fear. Whatever it is, though, that fear can be crippling. As previously mentioned, do not fear is mentioned 365 times in the Bible. Stuart told us about it, didn't he? Why? Well, if I'm absolutely honest, and it was it was pointed out to me quite recently, I think a couple of those do not fears are because angels turned up randomly out of the blue and said, hi. Quite frankly, that would be enough to scare the living daylights out of anyone, wouldn't it? So I think a few of those do not fears are down to the angels appearing randomly and scaring people. However, it also seems to me pretty obvious that the reason it's put in the Bible so many times is that we are just rubbish at not panicking and getting scared. The other week I was sitting listening to Boris's announcement at eight o'clock and I was feeling scared all over again. Here I was watching the news and our Prime Minister telling us that we had to go into another lockdown. The virus, the coronavirus was spiralling out of control again, people were dying, and I couldn't see my grandchildren all over again. I sat watching the announcement and I could feel the tears rolling down my face. I think probably I was a bit more emotional than usual because I hadn't been very well in between Christmas and the New Year and I'd been a bit poorly. But it was just plain frightening. It was scary. Hadn't we just done all of this? What was the point of that? Were we ever going to get rid of this? It was like something out of the movies. Except it wasn't really, was it? Because in the movies, the hero cures everybody. And after an hour and a half, everyone is cheering and everything's back to normal again. That's not the case in real life, is it? And I wondered, am I the only one feeling like this? Am I the only one feeling frightened and scared? I think that sometimes we think that if we are frightened and we don't find it things easy to cope with and that if we don't go through life every minute of every day super confident then we are rubbish Christians and that somehow we're failing. 
After all, aren't we Christians supposed to have got life licked, all sorted out? We've put our trust in Jesus. He has forgiven us for all the bad things that we've ever thought or done. And he's promised us an amazing life in heaven with him when we die. Yeah, right. Christians get scared too. Despite all of that, you are not a rubbish Christian if you are afraid and worried. You're in good company. Why do I say that? Look at the Bible, always the place to go when you are doubting. Some of the most influential characters in the Bible got scared. And we're going to look at two of them. The first one can be found in the Old Testament. His name was Elijah. He was an old school prophet who was incredibly influential in his day. The story that I'm talking about can be found in 1 Kings 18. And if you want to have a look at it later, I suggest you do. It tells about how Elijah stood up to 450 prophets of the false god Baal and 400 prophets of Azirah. He was trying to prove once and for all that there was only one true living God. So he asked for two altars to be made and he had a, a bull all prepared, laid on each one. And he laid down the challenge that he would pray to God to send down fire to consume the meat. And the false prophets had to do the same to their God. He even asked for loads and loads of water to be tipped over the altar he was using, just to be absolutely sure and to prove a point. Well, of course, God did send the fire down in an amazing way, just like Elijah prayed for. And the prophets of Baal, well, of course, that didn't happen for them, did it? And they were made to look mighty foolish when absolutely nothing happened, despite all of them jumping up and down and getting in a right state. Nothing happened for them. So Elijah did all of this in front of loads of people. It was an amazing thing. And he'd done loads of amazing things before that. And yet, do you know what? In the very next chapter, we find these words. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He said, I've had enough, Lord, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. The words are actually written in the Bible. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Elijah had done amazing things. And then just a little tinsy-weensy threat from Ahab's wife sent him running afraid. If you get scared and are fearful, you are in good company. And the second example that I'd like us to think about can be found in Matthew 14, verse 25 onwards. It'll appear on the screen or you can have a look at it in your Bible. Matthew 14, verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. 
But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Peter was totally focused on Jesus, walking on the water. Wow! Just think about that for a minute. He was actually walking across water, defying physics and all the known science of today, and walking on water to Jesus. And then his focus was broken. I don't know whether it was a splash of water hit his face, or the wind blew a little harder and it moved his hair, or it might just have been that he caught sight of the big wave just out the corner of his eye. But something distracted him, and then he looked at the waves. And then he noticed the wind. And then he saw the seashore so far away. And then he remembered just how deep the water was. And then the cold hit him for the first time. And then he was suddenly aware of the sound of the waves. And then Peter began to sink. For Christmas, James got a new phone and he's been experimenting with the camera on it. And it's pretty amazing, actually. He still hasn't managed to work out all the stuff it can do. But one feature that it does have is to focus on one particular thing. And the background goes blurry. I've got an example here, which I don't know whether you can see or not. It's of a robin and it's in focus in the middle and it's blurry round the outside. And it reminds me a little bit of what happened here and what happens in our own lives too. We can be so totally focused on following Jesus and then, oops, something sideswipes us off balance. It could be an illness. It could be the loss of a loved one or just a fear that has been with us for many, many years and then it just resurfaces and fear comes rushing in and we start to sink, just like Peter did. And it was the same for Elijah too. He took his eye off God and lost that trust in him and fear crept in. Not only do we have to keep our focus on Jesus if we don't want to fear to overpower us, but we also have to focus on the here and the now and God's present goodness to us. Not worry about looking into the background and into the future and saying, what if, but what if, but what if? So what are we to do? How are we going to stop getting so scared by everything that happens around us? How do we cope when fear starts to grip us and eat us up so that we can't find the joy in our faith and in our lives anymore. Well, Audrey always says to me, worry in chunks. And you know, that's really good advice. Worry in chunks. Worry about what you can do, something about, and just leave the rest for another day. And the Bible puts it in a similar way too. It can be found in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 verses 25 to 34 Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, 
or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What those verses are saying is the same thing. Worry in chunks. Take one day at a time. Yes, they are also saying, don't be caught up in material things that really don't matter and don't last anyway. But I think one of the key points is take one day at a time. You cannot do anything about what may or may not happen in the future. We all know that. But you do have a say in how you are acting today. As Christians, we hold on to an amazing truth. We have a heavenly future before us but we are living in 2021 right now. So let's hold on to that truth in our hearts and our minds, but let's focus on the here and now. Give us this day our daily bread. Such a well-known line in the Lord's Prayer, and it reminds us to ask for what we need for the present day, not the rest of the week or the rest of the month or the rest of the year, Give us this day our daily bread and to trust for the future. It's almost like God is saying, don't you be worrying about the future, what might or might not happen. I've got that covered. I have that covered. You just concentrate on one day at a time, trusting me. Helen sent this through to me the other day as I was preparing for what I was going to say today. And I think it's think it sums up things absolutely brilliantly. I hope you can see it. It says, focus on the step in front of you and not the whole staircase. Focus on the step in front of you and not the whole staircase. And it reminds me of uh, a story or something that happened to me a couple of years back when Naomi was a tiny baby. James and I and Sarah and the children went to Gibbside and there is a really, really, really steep hill at Gibbside that seems to go on forever and ever. And I can remember going up this hill. I was on one side pushing one side of the pushchair and James was on the other side and we were taking two children up the hill with us as well. And I just kept looking at the top of this hill and thinking we are never, ever, ever going to make it. Of course we did. 
But I kept thinking, no, just get to that tree there and then get to the next tree and then get to the next tree. And it's a bit like that. Just concentrate on the step that it's in front of you at this time. We need to stay focused on Jesus. And let's remember something, you know, he wasn't angry with Peter when he had a wobble and sank. He just gently reminded him that he should have had faith in him. The Bible says he immediately, he immediately put out his hand and caught him. He didn't leave Peter to sink and he won't leave you to sink either. You just need to do the same thing that Peter did. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. All those do not fears in the Bible are there for a reason. It's because God doesn't want you to be afraid to live. He doesn't want you to be afraid to trust in him and experience the joy that you can find in each day, in every moment that we have. So I would like to leave you with a challenge today. Instead of being fearful, instead of spending your time thinking, what if? What if, what if, what if you started thanking God for today? What if you started thanking God for every gift that you can think of that you've been given this morning? Go down the list of each and everything that you have to be thankful for. And remember, he hasn't left you in the past and he won't leave you in the future. God is a listening God. Ask him to hold your hand and help you through one day at a time, one day at a time, and do not fear.